The following Mark's Daily Apple article was written by Mark Sisson and is narrated by Tina Lehman. The Definitive Guide to Keto I use my local surroundings as a barometer for changes in the mainstream approach to health, and it holds up quite well. Malibu people are generally too busy to obsess over arcane health topics until someone else has poured over them and made it more digestible. They lag the cutting edge, but not by much. So when it hits here, it's hit everywhere. And the Malibu hills are alive with the smell of ketones. At the local cafe where every species of Malibu endurance athletes gathers to gossip and fuel up, I'm seeing fewer cakes, cookies, and muffins and way more butter coffees and discarded ketone ester packets. Trail runners on canyon hikes waft ketone breath as they pass. Sure enough, keto is growing everywhere. Google searches for ketogenic diet are at an all-time high. The stream of keto-related email queries and comments I receive has seen a major uptick. And late last year, a major publisher approached me with a keto book proposal. I accepted so it's probably time to do a definitive guide. To understand ketogenic diets, you must understand the conditions that promote ketosis. And to do that, you must understand the steps our bodies take to beta-oxidize fatty acids for energy. 1. Fatty acids are broken down into acetyl-CoA. 2. Acetyl-CoA combines with oxaloacetate. 3. The acetyl-CoA-slash-oxaloacetate duo starts the Krebs cycle. 4. The Krebs cycle produces ATP, the body's energy currency. 5. Congratulations, you've just turned fat into energy. Where does ketosis come in? If the supply of acetyl-CoA exceeds the supply of oxaloacetate, the liver converts any excess acetyl-CoA into ketone bodies. These ketone bodies are an alternative energy source for the brain and body. Both carbohydrates and protein provide oxaloacetate to the liver, so both carbohydrates and protein can prevent ketone production or knock you out of ketosis. Carbohydrates also elevate insulin, which blocks the release of body fat and reduces the amount of fatty acids making their way to the liver for conversion into ketones. A ketogenic diet, then, is one that limits carbohydrate and, to a lesser extent, protein. Ketosis occurs in certain instances without any dietary changes at all, such as exercise, especially extreme physical exertion, fasting, starvation, and caloric restriction. In all of these conditions, there's a common ketogenic thread, liberation of body fat in excess of that which we can beta-oxidize. Any fat that isn't beta-oxidized for energy will convert to ketones. In one sense, ketosis is a stopgap solution for situations where you're burning huge amounts of body fat, like during a famine. Why would I want to mimic abject starvation if there's all this food around? Grocery stores are an evolutionary aberration. The constant drip of glucose into our blood is a modern luxury. For most of human history, if we wanted carbs, we had to climb a tree and extricate a bee's nest, spend hours digging tubers, or wait around for wild fruit to ripen. We are adapted to periods of low food availability and especially low glucose availability. 
Plus, humans are remarkably good at slipping into ketosis. Whereas for most other animals, ketosis is difficult to achieve, a human will be mildly ketotic just waking up from a full night's sleep. Heck, breastfed babies spend much of their time in ketosis despite drinking high-carb breast milk. We're clearly meant to produce and utilize ketones from time to time, and it's safe to assume that mimicking this ancestral milieu provides adaptive benefits. Let's go over some of the major ones. Treatment for Major Disease States The ketogenic diet first emerged as a tool for clinicians to treat their patients with epilepsy. It was, and remains, the only thing with the consistent ability to prevent seizures. Whether it's Thai kids with intractable epilepsy, Scandinavian kids with therapy-resistant epilepsy, or adults with refractory epilepsy, ketogenic diets just work. Ketosis improves epilepsy via several mechanisms. It increases conversion of glutamate into glutamine into GABA, reducing neuronal excitability. It increases antioxidant status in the neuronal mitochondria, improving their function. It reduces free radical formation in neurons, a likely cause of seizures. These effects on neuronal function and health, along with the ability of aging and degenerating brains to accept and utilize ketone bodies, also have implications for other brain conditions, like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, bipolar disorder, and many psychiatric disorders. Ketogenic diets aren't just beneficial for brain disorders, though. A Spanish ketogenic diet, keto with wine, basically, cured people of the metabolic syndrome and improved health markers of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Over 92% of subjects improved their liver health. 21% resolved it entirely. In cancer patients, a keto diet preserves lean mass and causes fat loss. Many researchers are exploring the use of ketogenic diets in preventing and treating cancer, although results are very preliminary. Cognitive function. Since ketosis can help with major brain disorders, many have wondered whether it can improve cognitive function in otherwise healthy people. Unfortunately, researchers haven't studied the nootropic effects of ketogenic diets in healthy people, yet. They have looked at people with milder cognitive deficits, though, finding some promising effects. In mild cognitive decline, a ketogenic diet improves memory. In type 1 diabetics who experience reduced cognitive function when their blood sugar is low, increasing ketone production via medium-chain triglycerides found in coconut oil restores it. In adults with bad memory, adding ketones improves cognition. The higher the serum ketones, the better the scores. In older adults, a very low-carb diet improves memory. Again, higher ketones predicts bigger improvements. Anecdotes abound of people with intact cognitive function going on ketogenic diets and experiencing huge benefits to their mental performance. I've been experimenting with more protracted ketosis for some time now, and I can add my hat to the pile. What could be going on? It may clear up brain fog, that enemy of clear thinking, by clearing ammonia from the brain and upregulating conversion of glutamate into GABA. It definitely increases brain energy production by increasing mitochondrial biogenesis in the brain. More mitochondria, more energy production. It tends to produce a sense of euphoria. If you can parlay that into productivity instead of getting caught up in the sensation, your mental output will increase. 
A cup of strong coffee helps here. Physical performance. Being keto adapted has several advantages for anyone interested in physical performance. It increases energy efficiency. At any given intensity, a keto adapted athlete burns more fat and less glycogen than a sugar burning athlete. Long-term elite keto athletes can burn up to 2.3 times more fat at peak oxidation and 59% more fat overall than non-keto athletes. And they do it at higher intensities. They remain in the fat-burning zone at 70% of VO2 max, whereas non-keto athletes switch over to sugar-burning at 54.9% VO2 max. It spares glycogen. Glycogen is high-octane fuel for intense efforts. We store it in the muscles and liver, but only about 2,400 calories worth, enough for a couple hours of intense activities at most. Once it's gone, we have to carb up to replenish it. Keto adaptation allows us to do more work using fat and ketones for fuel, thereby saving glycogen for when we really need it. Since even the leanest among us carry tens of thousands of calories of body fat, our energy stores become virtually limitless on a ketogenic diet. It builds mitochondria. Mitochondria are the power plants of our cells, transforming incoming nutrients into ATP. The more mitochondria we have, the more energy we can utilize and extract from the food we eat, and the more performance we can wring out of our bodies. Ketosis places new demands on our mitochondria, who adapt to the new energy environment by increasing in number. Fat loss. Although keto is not a classical weight loss diet, it can certainly help a person lose body fat. After all, to generate ketones without eating ketogenic precursors, you have to liberate stored body fat. But that's not the main mechanism for ketogenic fat loss. Ketosis isn't magic. It doesn't melt away body fat. Instead, it works for many of the same reasons a standard low-carb primal way of eating works, by reducing insulin, increasing mobilization of stored body fat, and decreasing appetite. Ketosis suppressing appetite may be the most important feature. The overriding drive to eat more food is the biggest impediment to weight loss, and it's the reason why most diets fail. When most people attempt to eat less food despite wanting more, they butt up against their own physiology. Few win that battle. Ketogenic dieting avoids this issue altogether, suppressing the increase in hunger hormones that normally occurs after weight loss. Ketogenic diets are especially effective for massive weight loss. If you have a ton of weight to lose, aiming for ketosis could help you lose body fat. Again, not because of any inherent fat-burning qualities of the ketones, but because in order to make ketones, you must liberate stored body fat. Many diets work in the short term and fail in the long term. Weight loss isn't worth anything if you can't keep it off. Ketogenic diets appear to be good for long-term maintenance of weight loss, at least compared to low-fat diets. How to do it right. I'll have more details in my upcoming book, but there are right ways and wrong ways to do keto. What's right or wrong is contextual, of course. It depends on several factors. If you're keeping seizures at bay or treating serious neurological diseases, you'll need to keep ketone levels high. That means sticking to very low carb, 5 to 10% of calories, and low to moderate protein, 10 to 15% of calories. But even then, modified ketogenic diets with slightly higher carbs and relaxed protein intakes are also effective against epilepsy. 
If you're doing keto for general health or weight loss, you can handle more protein and still remain in ketosis. Protein will help stave off the muscle loss, and because calories are reduced, you can handle a bit more protein without interfering with ketosis. An older ketogenic diet study in obese subjects showed that 50% protein diets are highly ketogenic as long as calories are kept low. And in another study, subjects eating a weight-maintaining ketogenic diet ate up to 129 grams of protein without leaving ketosis. 129 grams is fairly high. If you're trying to lose weight, artificially boosting ketones won't accelerate it. Higher ketones do not enhance fat loss, but they may indicate that it's taking place. How to make keto work. Ketogenic dieting is a big jump for some people. You're literally switching over to a new metabolic substrate. That can take some getting used to. Give it about three or four weeks. That seems to be the sweet spot for keto adaptation. Once you're there and the metabolic machinery is in place, it's hard to reverse the adaptation. Extra mitochondria don't just disappear. Get plenty of electrolytes. You'll want lots of sodium, magnesium, and potassium. Try 4.5 grams sodium, about 2 teaspoons of fine salt or a little under 3 teaspoons of kosher salt, 300 to 400 milligrams of magnesium, and 1 to 2 grams of potassium each day on top of your normal food. Going keto really flushes out water weight and tons of electrolytes leave with it. Eat fat, but don't be a jerk about it. Just because a ketogenic diet is a high-fat diet doesn't mean you should eat ungodly amounts of fat. Being ketogenic is more about not eating carbohydrates than it is about eating as much fat as you possibly can. Eating extra fat in the first four to seven days can accelerate keto adaptation by increasing AMPK signaling. Dial it down after. Lift heavy things. A common criticism of ketogenic diets is that they cause loss of lean mass. This isn't totally unfounded. If your ketogenic diet reduces appetite so much that you undereat, you might lose muscle. If you're on a super low protein ketogenic diet, you might lose muscle. Lifting weights prevents these issues by sending an anabolic signal to your muscles and allowing the consumption of more protein without hampering ketosis. Do lots of low-level aerobic activity. Walk, hike, jog, cycle, row. Keep things in the aerobic heart rate zone, under 180 minus age, and you'll increase your utilization of body fat, which will speed up ketone production and adaptation. Eat vegetables. The vast majority of vegetables are keto-friendly. Not only do they provide important micronutrients and phytonutrients, they provide negligible amounts of carbohydrates. Eat berries. Raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, and blueberries are all quite low in carbohydrates and extremely high in phytonutrients. While eating a flat of strawberries isn't very ketogenic, a large bowlful won't knock you out. Eat fiber. Many people on ketogenic diets tend to ignore or malign fiber. That's a mistake. First, fiber doesn't digest into glucose. It doesn't count. Second, fiber feeds your gut biome, providing fermentable substrate for your gut bacteria to turn into beneficial short-chain fatty acids and provide support to your immune system. How to know if you're ketogenic. You can test your blood, urine, or breath ketones. There are drawbacks to each, and unless you have a medical condition necessitating a specific level of ketones, obsessive testing may be unnecessary, unwise, and expensive. 
Most people will get by just fine using urine strips. Once you're keto adapted and naturally good at burning fat, the ketone measuring devices might not put up impressive numbers. That's because after weeks in ketosis, you have built enough metabolic machinery in your muscles that they run extremely well on free fatty acids and don't require much additional fuel from glucose or ketones. You're still making ketones, since your brain can't run on fatty acids and needs them to offset the glucose that isn't coming. But your muscles no longer require them. Many people who have been in long-term ketosis can get by quite nicely on 20 to 30 net grams of carbs a day and might only show 0.4 or 0.7 millimolar ketones on a blood test. But they have plenty of energy from burning free fatty acids and maintain muscle mass on relatively fewer calories than when they were dependent on carbs. Few people understand this, but it's a major benefit of keto adaptation. You might even say that ketogenic diets are ultimately about becoming free fatty acid adapted. Instead of objective numbers, I prefer to go by symptoms and signs. Since you're trying to divine what works best for you, relying on the subjective signs and symptoms you experience is perfectly legitimate. These include ketone breath. The presence of acetone in the breath is a good indicator you're in ketosis, but it also lends a distinctly sweet and fruity odor to your exhalations. A reduced urge to snack. Being ketone-adapted means you're less reliant on outside calories. Steady energy. When I'm feeling full of relaxed energy, calm but not sleepy, I know I'm in ketosis. So, are carbs out forever? What if you want to incorporate carbs for high-intensity performance while maintaining the benefits of ketosis? First of all, it may not make much of a difference if you're just strength training. A series of recent studies looked at the effects of introducing carbs into a ketogenic diet in resistance-trained adults, finding little to no benefit. Carbs will likely help certain populations, namely crossfitters, sprinters, and anyone else engaged in intense glycolytic work. But even then, being keto-adapted reduces the amount of glycogen you'll use for a given intensity, so err on the side of fewer carbs and eat only as many as you actually earn. There are two basic ways to construct a ketogenic diet that include carbs. With one big weekly carb load, the classic CKD, or multiple smaller carb loads adjacent to training sessions, often called the Targeted Ketogenic Diet, or TKD. On a CKD, you spend the majority of the week in your workouts in ketosis and devote a day or pair of days to eat lots of carbs. You might be ketogenic Monday through Friday, exercising all the while and capping the work week off with a really intense glycogen-depleting training session. Then go high-carb, low-fat, Saturday through Sunday to refill your depleted and newly insulin-sensitive muscle glycogen stores. On a TKD, you spend the majority of your time in ketosis, but selectively eat carbohydrate before, during, and or after your workouts. Most people seem to benefit most from pre- and peri-workout carbs. These aren't large carb loads, 15 to 30 grams of relatively fast-absorbing simple carbs. If you don't want to opt for dextrose or other powders, a baked potato works well. Whatever option you choose, you'll need to deplete glycogen if you want to include carbs in a ketogenic diet. As long as you have a glycogen debt, any carbs you eat will go toward restoring those glycogen stores and won't interfere with ketone production. Also, ketosis doesn't have to be for life. Going ketogenic can be refreshing. You're not hungry like before. You're euphoric. 
You have steady, even energy levels. Your brain works better. You're leaner. You start thinking, why not do this all the time? A recent study of long-term, five years, ketogenic dieting in patients with glucose transporter 1 deficiency syndrome found no apparent downsides. Bone mineral density, which can be a problem for growing kids on long-term ketogenic diets for epilepsy, was unaffected. Yet all admit to being a bit leery of long-term protracted ketosis in people who aren't treating a medical condition. It just doesn't seem necessary. After all, while humans are unique in our ability to slip into ketosis, and there are clear evolutionary precedents for being in ketosis, Grok wasn't starving all the time. He wasn't living through famine after famine. Not everybody needs to be on a ketogenic diet. Even fewer need to be on a ketogenic diet for life. But I do think that everyone should try it for a week or two or four, build and install some new mitochondria, Remain long enough to get really good at burning free fatty acids in your muscles and then return to a ketogenic state on a regular basis to keep your capacities topped up. And that's it for today's post. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.